This would be the time during the service when you can head out for Children's Church. It's also the time when I usually hit the button on the Facebook Livey thing. Oh, and when Jim comes up and adjusts the lighting. I, I have that there for my profile. Here, I'll get it. I'm going to turn it off by accidentally knocking it over and breaking the bulb. Uh, let's pray in preparation for the preaching of the word this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, be with us today. I, I pray that you would help me to, to be faithful in preaching the gospel. Help me to be faithful in, in unpacking your word and, and, um, and finding your, uh, your purpose in it, Lord. I pray that your spirit would, would be in this place this morning, um, that it would touch the hearts of the folks who are here, that they would um, know you more and hear from you uh, through the preaching of the word this morning. In Christ's name, amen. I, uh, I have a book, and a few people have teased me about this. This has been sitting on a shelf in my living room. Uh, it's entitled End Procrastination Now. Uh, <laughs> I bought this book in January, and I read the first chapter this morning. And I, I didn't mean to do that. I, I meant to not keep putting it off. And in fact, I moved it from my nightstand to the living room so that I would see the title every day as I walked by it, hoping that that would spur me to, to read the book. And, and it did not. Um, and oddly enough, I'm reading another book that made me think about this book, which is the reason I picked it up this morning, because um, I was thinking, oh, hey, I should read that. It might connect. Um, the reason I'm talking about that... Uh, is because um, I, I, since I was a kid, I have I have had a real problem with not doing things right away. <laughs> I, I'm assuming I'm not the only one in the room with this problem. Um, I I think this got to the the height of my experience of it in college when I learned that I could put paper writing off to the morning of, um, because that way I could sleep before I started and be well rested. Uh, that was the reasoning, and of course that is crazy. Um, and and actually, this is not the first procrastination book I've picked up. I've owned about a dozen in the last few years, and I've read probably eight of them. Um, and the thing that I've discovered about it is um, it doesn't work if you don't change. You all with me? Like if you don't adjust your mindset and adjust your behaviors and adjust your standards – as you go, nothing is impacted. And in fact, actually, that's the truth for just about everything. I have books on exercise, and it is amazing how little weight I have lost reading books about exercise. <laughs> and it is amazing how, how, little, you know, how little of a difference um, a how-to guide makes in your life if you don't do the how-to. And, and so as we dive into our text today, um, I want to I wanna put that in the forefront of what you're thinking about, okay? Um, we're looking at the book of 1 Peter. We've been working our way through it kind of slowly. We'll finish it up before, uh, well, actually, it'll be summer before we finish it. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, we'll finish it up before we start on Psalms for the summer. Um, but we're, we're in 1 Peter, and we've finished up his household code. He did it, this household code, which was common in the ancient world. We, you can go back and watch those sermons on Facebook if you need a help getting to sleep at night or something. Um, 
but then like after that, he talks about persecution. And that was last week. We, we kind of went through this short little set of texts on persecution and on how um, Christ suffered for us. And as we are persecuted and suffer, we can identify in him and we can understand Christ's suffering better when we go through it ourselves. And there's a bunch of other stuff in there, and it sort of feeds into this text. Um, Peter's audience, the people who are reading this, just a little background. We've done this a few times, so I'm going to do it real quick. Uh, probably poor, lower class, people without social standing, uh, people who have very little social influence. And actually, some of the readers undoubtedly had lost position as a result of following Christ. These are people who, once they started following Jesus, um, they were like knocked down a couple of pegs or disinvited from social gatherings or became less popular as a result. Um, and this is probably during a time of persecution. Uh, it is a ramping up point. Persecution gets a lot worse in the 10 years that follow the writing of this letter. And actually, Peter has his head cut off. Or, nope, he's crucified as a, as a result of the persecution that's sort of ramping up. Um, and the believers who he's writing to are being persecuted and are being mistreated. Um, and that's kind of laid out in the preceding section. So we're going to dive into this. And, and actually, we're going to right away jump back into the previous section um, watch this. This is ver- verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Um, this is a callback to verse 18 in chapter 3, for Christ also suffered once for sins. That's an unusual phrasing, because usually in the New Testament you see Christ died for sins. Um, But Peter says Christ suffered for sins. And the reason he does that in the preceding section and in this one is because these are guys who are suffering, right? And he wants the reader to turn and look at Jesus and say, if Jesus suffered, I can suffer. If I'm suffering, I'm experiencing what he went through. If I'm suffering, I am being like Jesus. If Jesus suffered for me, this is the least I can do for him. Um, This changes me as a part of the process. And so there is sort of this toss back to this preceding section. I'm going to jump back to verse 1 here. So Christ suffered like we're suffering in his body. Arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Um, A lot of translations, this attitude is sometimes translated mindset or mind. And this is important. And this is, I think, maybe the crux of the entire section. So if you're going to pay attention, this is the the part. It's all good, but this is the part. Um, Arm yourself with the same mindset. Take the same attitude. Part of what we see over and over again in the scriptures is... We are called to put off sort of an old version of us and take on a new version. We're called to put away the old self and become like Christ, to, to sort of crucify our flesh and take on the mind and the heart of Jesus. And actually, it's a big chunk of what he talks about in the previous section. And here again, he says, since Christ suffered and we're going to suffer Put this mindset on because it will change how you deal with it. Everything about how we deal with difficulty and suffering, actually how we deal with prosperity and joy, how we deal with blessing, how we deal with work, how we deal with our leisure time, how we deal with our money, how we deal with everything is adjusted by that mindset. If I can look at the world through Christ-colored glasses, it will look different. 
it will feel different. And if I was going to offer a version of this, I have wonderful, beautiful children. And my wonderful, beautiful children look at the world with a certain mindset. And that mindset is, if I want it, I should have it now. I mean, I I see other moms in the room. I'm including this just for you guys. Uh, this This is the little kid mindset. Little kids don't share, right? The word mine is sometimes the first word they say. And if it's not the first one, it's definitely the fifth through 700th. Mine, 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 mine. Or it's not, really? You guys don't know that one? It's not fair? My kids are the only ones who say that? Um, Because the idea is everything should be about me. As they age, that mindset begins to shed, right, ideally. Some people it doesn't, but I'm not pointing fingers, and you shouldn't either. (laughs) That mindset begins to shed, and they take on a different mindset. And actually, as they get further and further along, that goes away, ideally. Um, In this text, we're talking about a different sort of thing, right? Like, as we take on the mind of Christ, we look at suffering, and we have a different perspective on it. We have a different attitude toward it. We have different feelings about it. When I was in junior high... Before I became a Christian, I had a neighbor kid that beat me up. I know it's shocking. I was not the tough kid in the neighborhood. I don't know what was good about me at that point in life, but I'm sure there was something. Um, But the neighbor kid beat me up, and I held on to a grudge against that guy for a really long time. I was angry at him, right? And I don't remember his name. There was another guy who bullied me for years, and I do remember his name. And I was angry at that guy for a really long time. Um, and I had a great deal of bitterness because the mindset, the unlike saved, the unchanged mindset looks at suffering, looks at unfairness, looks at mistreatment, looks at this awfulness, and bitterness is a natural outcropping of it. Um, when, Paul, uh, when Peter talks to these readers, they're being mistreated by folks, and the natural inclination is, I hate that guy, he's a jerk, right, or worse. I hate that guy you know, I should get revenge. I hate that guy. I should, you know, gossip about him. I should, you know, pour gas on that fire in my heart forever, and that'll make it better. Um, of course, it won't, but that's, that's sort of the attitude. The different mindset we take on in Christ is, um, actually, if you want to see it clear, it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, right? Uh, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person, for if a man strikes you on your right, te- turn to him the other. Um, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I tell you the truth, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, that is a different mindset, and it's not a natural mindset. If you want to know how natural it is, go hang out in the nursery. By the way, they do need nursery volunteers, and so it would be a good thing to go hang out in the nursery and watch the little kids interact with each other, and the moment one hits the other, what do they do? They hit back. (laughs) or they start screaming at each other, or one takes a toy from the other, and they start fighting over it and pushing each other down and everything else. It would turn into Lord of the Flies if you let it. But you should be in nursery anyway. Um, So arming yourself with this attitude is taking on a different mindset as people persecute you, as you experience hardship. And honestly, I think this goes beyond just being persecuted because Peter's talking about this here, but this applies to everything. If we can take on the mind of Christ when we struggle financially, 
When we take on the mind of Christ, when we have anxiety, when we feel depressed or when we feel lonely or when we feel hurt or when we feel physical pain, um, it changes it. It makes it look different. Um, because, all right, so now Christ suffered in his body. Take on this mindset of Christ because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Um, there's a weird truth right here. Suffering from the mindset of Christ changes you. It just makes you different. Peter is asserting here that if you stand up for your faith or if you refrain from sin and people persecute you for it, it cements you into this mindset of I need to live the right way. I need to um, obey Christ better. And that might be because of the Holy Spirit. It might be like a basic you know, psychological thing. It might be a lot of stuff. But the idea he's presenting here is that suffering is good for you. And actually, Peter is very Jewish. And so we see a lot of very Jewish stuff come out of Peter's mouth slash pen. Um, Proverbs 17, the crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold and the Lord tests the heart. Well, if fire makes silver pure and furnaces make gold pure, and the Lord tests the heart, that means that, like, through difficulty, through burning, God takes things out of us. Um, through hardship, he makes us strong, and he takes out impurity. Um, and that's the idea here is, if we suffer for Christ, if we suffer with the mindset of Christ, we are inclined to step away from sin. It inclines us in the direction of rejecting sinful behavior. Um, it, it teaches us, it trains us to not act evil. I, many years ago, I was, I was trying to, um, well, I'm constantly trying to lose weight. Uh, one of the things that, that, mainly because I love food, um, one of the things I discovered is if I get up early and I exercise really, really hard, I can use that as a mindset, like, oh, wow, I suffered earlier today. If I eat a bunch of junk food now, I wasted it this morning, Right? <laughs> Hey, if I suffered for Christ and I dive into sin, I wasted my efforts. Um, if I, if I you know, overcome this hardship, I shouldn't run away from Jesus. Um, there's another reason that suffering helps us overcome sin, and that is that we must lean on God to get through those times. The more we lean on God, the more we invest in him, the more we develop like a deep connection to him in times of difficulty. And by the way, hardship makes you close to people, right? I, I, uh, um, going through difficulty together binds you together. That's why camping trips make you such good friends, because camping is awful, and you go out, and you're miserable together, and you're miserable together for several days. And at the end of those several days of being miserable together, you are closer friends as a result. Um, that's it. Um, I stole that from Michael. Um, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> um, suffering with Christ, suffering with, with our heart and our mind set on Christ purifies us because it draws us to him. It draws us away from this old life. Um, but the big trick there is putting on the mindset. You can't just read about it and have it work. You can't just listen to me talk and have it work. Because otherwise, you just got a book on your shelf. You all with me? If you are learning about who Jesus is and you don't apply it, 
there is no change that will take place. Now, it's not an instant change. This is a gradual rewiring. I read that, um, I read that people who suffer strokes can relearn to use body parts because their brains will wire around the damaged portions. And it will, your brain can learn to work in a different way. That's what we're talking about here. Um, when I was a kid, I had, uh, I was, I had a doctor say I was dyslexic. And I had to do all these crazy little exercises. And like learning to do these little exercises, I, like over time, you know, I guess it fixed it. I don't know that or the doctor was wrong in the first place. Who knows? But I, I read recently actually that these exercises rewire how the brain organizes information and it can deaden the impact of dyslexia. There are all sorts of ways that the brain can adjust. This is what we're talking about. Like when we suffer, our brain rewires and it changes and we become different. But you got to go through the process. You got to train and grow and have relationship with Jesus and everything else. So this is 18 we already did. Two, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. So as we take on this new mindset, our earthly desires begin to fade away and we begin to seek out the will of God instead. We mature spiritually and we become different. I love this. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Um, this is just a funny phrase because what Peter is saying here is, hey, haven't you wasted enough time being stupid? Do you guys ever have somebody say that to you? Hey, you know what? Haven't you wasted enough time doing this? Like, don't you think you've spent enough time on this? I... Uh, Years ago when Facebook was a brand new thing and it wasn't quite as awful as it is now, um, they had these games you would play. Did anybody ever play old Facebook games? And you'd play this, this silly farming game. Oh, and I see farmers nodding. Yeah, I did it. If you play farming video games during the off-season, you have a problem. Um, but... but <laughs> I remember playing this, this video game. This, it's not even a fun video game. It's do these things and then wait six hours so you can do them again. You know, and it's not fun. And I remember hitting a point where I looked at it after months of wasting time on this and saying, I have wasted a lot of time on this. Why am I doing it? I don't enjoy it. I'm not having fun. This is stupid. It's not making me better. And so I quit. Um, I look back and there are so many things that I wasted life on. And I think, man, if only I could go back and never start drinking. If I only if I could go back and never start, you know, wasting time in this way or that way. Um, another way I would compare this, I met my wife 20, almost 22 years, almost 23 years ago. 22? Um, almost 22 years ago. I'm bad at math. Um, I met my wife. And, and from the moment that I met her and I decided this is the woman I'm going to marry, there was no wasting time we were getting married and I needed to get, you know, we needed to get that done because like I wasn't going to just, hey, I should go date some other girls for a while and just make sure. Nope, this is what I want. I'm chasing it, her. Um, in this way, once I put on the mind of Christ, once I realize this is who I want to be, this is the life I want to live, this is how I want my way to be, I begin to look at the old way, the sin that drags me away from God and say, 
If this is what I want, I need to chase it. And so I got to start putting this stuff off. That does that mean that sin suddenly isn't fun? Nope. Um, it means that I chase after God instead. Um, this list here, debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Uh, some of this is probably like just pagan social living. Some of it is definitely surrounding um, pagan worship. Uh, given that part of the world and the time that this is going on in, there's a lot of like temple prostitution and stuff like that. Um, and so it's probably the case that some of this idolatry is related to some of this partying. But it is the case, like Peter's saying, listen, step away from this old sinful way. Um, step away from all of this wickedness and become new. Put on this new mindset. Put on the Jesus-colored glasses and look at the world through the Christ perspective and live different. Um, be different. They're surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. One of the craziest things I learned working in a rehab program, watch this. When a guy got out of rehab and went home and was not using anymore, guys around him would just avoid the heck out of him, right? Or they would treat him like garbage because... Or they try and get him to start using again. Because if one guy can do it, that means that I can, and that means I'm responsible. That was uh, the one addiction counselor explained that to me. Like, like addicts can't hang out with people they used to use with because they'll try to drag them back to prove that quitting isn't possible. Um, in this way, like if we used to live in this kind of crazy, sinful way, and we say, hey, guys, I'm not doing that anymore, um, there's this inclination to create a wedge. In this setting... People were abusive of them. Some of that is because it was cultural. Like, hey, you're not going to pagan, you're not going to worship our pagan idol anymore. You're not going to go to the, the worship orgy. Aren't you going to do that with us? Nope, don't do that anymore. Oh, so you're against our God now. Um, but also because it's a major change and people don't like change. Um, the one way or the other here, these people are being abused because they've changed, because they've begun to follow Christ, because their life is different, because they're no longer living the way they used to. And the folks around them don't like it. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. In the previous section, Peter talks at length about how Christ will be vindicated, like having been crucified and resurrected, that all the people who heaped abuse on him, all the people who fought against him, all the people who resisted him, they're going to answer to God and there'll be vindication. You ever, well, never mind, I don't want to get into that. Um, And now he's translating that to us and saying, if people abuse you for Christ... They will answer for it. They will stand before God and they will answer for it. This is less of an issue in our culture. Most of us don't get abused that much. Most of us don't get mistreated for our faith. Most of us don't have to worry about being put in jail because we're Christians or, you know, having our property taken away or being publicly flogged or anything like that. It just doesn't happen that much. Um, Verse 6, and this is where the passage closes up, and we'll look at some application here. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regards to the body, but live according to God in regards to the spirit. I actually had one more slide that I'm not going to use. Um, So Peter says, listen, Um, this is generally a a tougher um, passage to translate. Uh, The ESV has it a little different. Um, This is the NIV, and it's a little softer version translation. For this is the reason the gospel is preached even to those who are now dead. The text actually says preached even to the dead. 
and like some crazy stuff has come out of that over the years. Like we don't preach to the dead. You don't go to the graveyard and we don't, you know, get baptized for dead people. We don't do any of that stuff. That's just not what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, the gospel was preached to people who have been, who have died since and they are judged according to like, according to what they did in this life. They are judged according to their obedience to Christ. They're judged according to their um, submission to him. Like, are they washed by him? Are they not? Um, but live according to God in regard to the spirit, meaning that, like, in eternity they are alive because of Christ. Um, all right, so what do we do with this? Peter has this text, you know, hey, take on Christ's mindset. You're going to be mistreated because of it, but don't worry, you'll be vindicated. Um, what do we do with this? Well, first off, the mind of Christ is everything in the Christian life. If you are going to follow Jesus, taking on the mind of Christ is it, right? Everything else becomes work, and it becomes miserable after that. Um, if you try to follow two masters, you will hate one and love the other. We've heard this before, right? But this happens. I, I, uh, I, I see this a lot where um, folks will follow Christ in behavior, but heart and mind are all about money, or heart and mind are all about politics, or heart and mind are all about lust, or heart and mind are all about, um, you know, family. And I'm not saying family is bad, but we can worship our family over Christ, and that's not okay. Um, because then we turn them into idols and we neglect the things that God has designed us for. In reality, these things fall underneath the umbrella of who God designed us to be, and it changes us over the long term. Um, And so this mindset, otherwise Christianity is just chores, and it's just new laws, and it's new rules, and it's new miserable, and it's new, it's like trying to, anybody ever have to do square dancing in school? Did they make you guys do that when you were kids? Man, I hate square dancing. Because, like, I don't, I don't dance. And so for me it was, all right, I have to do this step. Now i got to do this step. Now i got to do this step. Now i got to go over here and do this step. And it was this, like, trying to remember. And so I was really awkward and jerky, and it wasn't fun. Dancing is supposed to be fun because you're supposed to just sort of know how to do it, and then you just move through the motions, and it's fun, right? The mind of Christ makes following Christ rewarding. Doing it without the mind of Christ, and it becomes do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Feel guilty about that. Feel ashamed of that. Beat yourself up about that. Hate that guy for those things. Mistreat that guy. Badmouth those people. It's true, right? But taking on the mind of Christ is what makes all of this possible. It makes it possible for us to be mistreated by folks and still love them. It makes it possible for us to face sin and step away and say, you know what? I would love to do that, but I love Christ more. I would love to do that, but I think I've wasted enough of my life on that sinful pattern. Maybe I should do something different. Um, Taking on this mindset spurs change, right? Implementing this mindset forces you into change. It is not a matter of um, trying hard. It's a matter of training. Um, this, This procrastination book, and I'll tell you most of what it says, it talks about the idea that in order to deal with your procrastination, you have to deal with anxiety and take on these patterns and these habits, and that'll fix it. But if you don't do any of that stuff, it doesn't work. The same with the mind of Christ. We take it on, we obey the teachings, we live different, it changes us. And the change becomes seamless, and it becomes natural, and it becomes easy. Um... It is a long-haul project, right? 
Um, if you walk through the self-help section of any bookstore, you will see 700 diet books, which will tell you how to lose weight in two weeks or less, right? And you do it for about a week, and you discover, like, this is awful, and I don't want to do it anymore, so you don't, and you go back to the way you were. Like, like Christianity is not a change your life in two steps. It is a follow Christ and be changed, and then over the course of a lifetime following Christ, your heart changes and you change. I am grateful I am not the same Eric I was 10 years ago because Christ has changed me. I don't think I'm the same Eric that I was five years ago because Christ has changed me, because a new mindset has come in. As I was setting up to preach, my iPad automatically installed a software update. And so it was updating the presenter software. And I had a moment of panic, like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, how am I going to do this without that? Taking on the mind of Christ is that software update, right? Not instant, incremental, over time, new life. Um, and fortunately, Eric 2.0 is better than Eric 1.0. And Eric 3.0 will hopefully be even better. Um, it is a long-haul project, not a weekend trip. Part of this is chasing holiness. Um, if you want to be like Christ, you have to chase holyship, Holiness. You have to resist sin. You have to learn to overcome it. And not because it's a rule you have to follow, but because you love Christ. Because you desire to be like Christ. Because sin is ultimately the thing that will kill us spiritually. Um, It'll make it impossible to love your neighbor. It'll make it impossible to forgive people. It'll make it impossible to worship effectively. Like if you have this sin that just eats you up like a cancer. It it just, it fights against it. Um, Chasing holiness and knowing Christ are hand in hand. Um, in the same way as actually loving my wife and being faithful to my wife are part of each other, right? Um, we m- must work to see things through Christ's eyes. Like, and this sometimes means stepping back and asking, how would Jesus see this, right? So somebody mistreats me, I back up in my initial flash of anger and frustration and depression. I back up and say, well, what does Christ think of this? Or I meet somebody who drives me nuts or who I dislike just because I dislike them. Anybody know people like that? And back up and say, how does Christ view this person? And I pray for him, and I pray for my heart to change. And I pray to take on the heart of Christ and the life of Christ over and over and over and over and over and over again. It is a training process. But the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. The final bit of this is that you can't do it without discipleship. You can't arm yourself with the mind of Christ without discipleship. You have to train with other people. You have to have people who hold you accountable and call you to account. You have to read and study and pray and train. Um, the guy who trains will always beat the guy who tries hard. Um, and it is the case with the life of Christ. Like We become like Jesus because we train into it. And you know what? It happens. It happens um, every time we have a bad day. And so every time I am frustrated and angry, I back up and I make a choice. I can become like Christ or I can let that suffering breed bitterness in me or make me broken or make me unmotivated and depressed or make me dive into sin as a way of escaping or whatever. Um, Every time I'm hurt by someone, I can back up and I can pray about it and I can approach it with the mind of Christ or I can pour gas on the fire of why I hate that guy, right? Um, Every time I feel lonely, I can turn to Christ or I can um, let it crush me. My challenge to you this week is, like, first off, are you taking on the mind of Christ? 
Are you backing up and putting this mindset in place? Like, are you looking at the world through Jesus-colored glasses? Or are they kind of garbage-colored? Right? Because we got to look at the world through something. Like, I mean, it's just the, the modus operandi for interpreting it. But my question is, are you looking at the world through the eyes of Christ? Are you putting in the effort to become like Christ? And my challenge is, if, it, if you're not, how can you? Like, what can you do to be more like Christ as you deal with this life? We're going to close in prayer, and I'm going to let you go. I really wanted to finish early, but, you know, that long greed at the beginning. Um, So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I pray that you be with us today. I pray that you would help us to to not just treat Jesus as a thing that we put on our shelves, um, to remind us to be good sometimes, or remind us to to pray occasionally, or remind us to... to, um, you know, to show up to church on Sundays or whatever, Lord, but rather that we would take on the mind of Christ as a lifestyle, as a new way of living, like as this new mindset entirely, this new way of thinking and being. I pray, Lord, that, that our desire would be to look inward, not outward. Lord God, that we would look at ourselves and say, how am I doing this? Not, oh, that guy should be doing better with this. Um, Father God, I pray that you would challenge us to be like Christ above all else be like christ help us to love our neighbor help us to love people who are are um, broken um help us to to pursue righteousness um help us to belong to you in christ's name amen